Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Playbridge podcast. Today, I'm joined by Melody Hom. She leads community and platform at Harlem Capital, an early stage VC firm where she is responsible for Harlem's content and partnership strategy and also works closely with the fund's portfolio companies to equip them with resources to succeed. Prior to joining the world of venture capital, Melody was a business and financial reporter. Most recently, she was Yahoo Finance's West Coast correspondent covering entrepreneurship and startups. I'm so excited to have another member of the Harlem Capital team on the show. (laughs) Yay. Thanks for having me, Ruffin. So excited to have you. Um, To kick it off, can you tell us a little bit more, remind us about Harlem Capital, who your team is, and then more specifically, can you share more on your role with the team? For sure. Um, So Harlem Capital is an early stage venture capital firm uh, founded in Harlem. It's not a misnomer, although I am in Los Angeles, and we're a small but mighty team of six people uh, that manage $174 million across two funds. And our main focus and sweet spot, I would say, is the seed stage. Um, We do invest at pre-seed and seed plus as well. Uh, And we love backing diverse entrepreneurs, um, people of color and women who are building in revolutionary technology. Um, My focus area really is about elevating our portfolio and being able to provide the right kinds of scalable resources so that they can win, right? Um, because we are, you know, we have a lot of skin in the game when we invest, um, because we like to take a big chunk of ownership as well as really put our money to work in a way that's meaningful. And so what that means is we are very hands-on, um, we're in the weeds with our founders. And oftentimes we kind of joke that, oh, it's like investor slash co-founder type energy, um, where you can help build, uh, along the way. I love that. Can you give a few examples of the resources and the community that you help build at Harlem Capital and how you like really help co-founders or co-found these businesses? Yeah. So honestly, Harlem Capital at the core, um, the heartbeat is community because our founders helping one another. Uh, and of course, we're the liaison and we're the umbrella, right? That, that, all of these folks feed into, and that's the common denominator. Um, but one that just happened was our founder summit. Um, I spearhead our founder retreat, which we've aptly dubbed Harlem Homecoming, uh, because it's the one time a year that people really look forward to gathering together. Um, and every year it's grown in size in terms of the number of folks who actually attend, as well as the kind of marquee keynote speakers. And it's a three-day event and retreat Um, where it's a good mix of tactical learnings, where we have sales advisors, where we have benchmark surveys for B2B companies, but also honestly pure debauchery, right? Like uh, Olympic games, where there's a lot of competitive rigor, which is a phrase we love to use. Um, As you can imagine, the founder set typically tends to be very competitive. And so even when it's all supposed to be fun, there's this level of intensity that comes through and it's an immediate bonding factor. After the homecoming event, it's fascinating to see how many founders stay connected and in touch in a way that uh, a simple Slack channel will not actually make those relationships last, right? Um, We've seen our e-commerce founders then branch off and create their own e-com sub-vertical. We try to host specific uh, programming uh, for some of our individual verticals. 
Um, and then we also have a content series called Harlem U. Uh, it typically is around a couple times a quarter where we have kind of the ultimate leader uh, in a field, whether it's an operator or a CEO or a sales type um, kind of advisor, uh, do a very in-depth seminar, right? With very specific learnings for our portfolio companies. Um, and what I love about that is my mantra going into those conversations is what is one thing that a founder can hear on this call that he or she or they will immediately want to run back to their respective teams and say, hey, we should play around with this idea or we should test something out. Um, and it's not to say it'll be prescriptive, right? Like not one size does not fit all, but just to give folks that element of thought and consideration to try something new and try something differently, um, especially at the early stage when it's still a lot of ideation and a lot of novelty um, is really exciting to us. And then I would say, a big area is our event and community um, ideation. So even in this last quarter alone, we've had around five events. Um, we just got back from, from San Francisco where we hosted a diverse happy hour with Bessemer Venture Partners. Um, we're hosting an Art Basel event with Amex Ventures tomorrow. Uh, I don't know when this podcast comes out, but in December. Um, and being able to gather like-minded folks that can help elevate and amplify what our founders are already doing and basically connecting them to these super connectors, right? Um, for them to launch and, and succeed. So prior to joining Harlem Capital, you built a career in journalism at CNBC and Yahoo Finance, where you interviewed leading founders like Jen Rubio of Away and Audrey Gelman of The Wing. I'd be curious to know your biggest learnings from covering tech media and culture in LA um, and how your time as a journalist has really impacted your move into VC? I think one of my biggest learnings being a business reporter and to be honest, getting the opportunity to talk to some of the richest and on paper most successful people in the world is that everyone is so deeply human. Um, and what I mean by that is I think so often there is this glamorization or you, you, you tend to put somebody on a pedestal because of their pedigree and because of their resume. And I think being a 21-year-old at CNBC, getting to meet Warren Buffett, getting to meet um, every CEO you can imagine and a lot of celebrity investors, right, who are coming through to, to have their TV appearance. Uh, it was a very humbling, but also emboldening experience to learn if you can find something in common with someone who's old and white and male, um, then you can sort of have a conversation with anybody. And there was something very gratifying and freeing about that process as a young Asian woman uh, trying to enter these spaces and operate in forums where it felt like I didn't belong. Um, another major takeaway I would say is that you need to cover areas and industries that you personally have a vested interest in, meaning that you are curious about and passionate about. Otherwise, journalism will feel like a slog. No one goes into media, I would say specifically written or even broadcast journalism for the paycheck. It is not a high paying industry. It is very much about the entrepreneurial nature that you have yourself about kind of eating what you kill, right? Catching what you um, want to consume. And so I think for me, being in 
the LA as well as New York tech ecosystem, I quickly was reminded, man, I want to cover people who look like me or who have at least a similar upbringing, or there's something about this immigrant culture, or there's something about not having a traditional path that really intrigued me. And so being able to chase those stories, it lended itself to a really great opportunity because like you mentioned, having the the chance to speak to some of the top founders uh, today who have built billion dollar brands, um, I oftentimes was the first person to interview them because they weren't necessarily the top of mind for a lot of folks who were trying to cover big tech titans or big CEOs, right? They were barely raising their seed round. They had just launched, for example, with Away. I actually got a chance to interview both Steph um, and Jen the day that they announced the company, right? So having that um, first glance early on, it was a perfect marriage of my personal and professional interests. And it was something that um, I still delight in today. Um, and I recognize how invaluable of an opportunity it was. How, when you were a journalist, how are you like finding people like the founders of Away to feature? And I guess what drew you in to identify some pretty exciting stories to tell? So I started my journalism career in 2013. As you may know, that era was definitely the peak and the heyday of the consumer startup. So yep. the Glossiers and specifically the brand of female founded consumer startups. So I kind of was very fortunate because to be honest today, right, the the allure of a lot of these companies, whether it's the Everlanes and the Outdoor Voices and the Glossiers, um, it's quickly dissipated, right? Because people are looking at them as serious businesses. If you're raising outside venture, uh, there is this level of scrutiny. Um, whereas I would say 10 years ago, um, it felt more like a novelty. And so personally, I was a consumer of all of these businesses. My friends were curious about them. My friends were buying them. That Those are the stores that were opening and, and had the lines wrapped around the block, right, in New York City. Um, one other special uh, story that I think I was pretty early on was WeWork. So I actually had to convince my executive producers at CNBC to book Adam Newman, believe it or not, because at the wow. time, I know. So at the time, um, I think they had just raised their series A. And it was one of those things where my team wasn't fully cognizant of just how much of a footprint WeWork had and was starting to have. And that, of course, ended up contributing to their downfall, right, for expanding <laughs> too quickly and having too many locations. But I think for myself as a consumer, and honestly, a young 20-something just very curious and wide-eyed about what kinds of innovations were happening in front of me. Um, you know, the WeWorks of the world were the kinds of companies that I quickly identified as unpassable opportunities to kind of get in at that ground floor and be able to cover. So simply put, it's, it's not rocket science. It wasn't anything scientific or magical. It just was whatever I was interfacing with and the kinds of things that I, I happened to stumble upon um, after doing some back-end research, after talking to venture capitalists who funded the business, I think that was a really cool uh, wedge and a niche that I was able to uncover. So cool. And so you ultimately decided to pivot to working in venture capital. Can you share more on your de decision process there and how, how and why you decided to take the leap to join the Harlem Capital team? So 
when I was at CNBC, I worked on the morning show called Squawk Box. Um, it's 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern. And I got a really special opportunity to book guests and um, kind of produce guests in the 40 slots. Uh, the 40s are 640, 740, and 840, and they typically were for the softer segments. So not hard news, not anything that's breaking news or um, stock specific. And so that's when I created my little fort of different entrepreneurs who are early stage. And I think during that process, I learned about the Andreessen's of the world. I learned about the Sequoias, the Tigers, um, all the downstream capital investors who are sort of circling around a lot of these early stage startups. And I would learn about these VCs through the founders themselves, right? So I had a really good perspective and honestly, a very sobering perspective of uh, what the venture capital world looked like. And then when I transitioned to Yahoo Finance and I was on air and I was doing a lot more um, kind of in-depth reporting, I found myself gravitating towards talking to VCs to get their top picks of startups that I should be following, right? Of course, they're talking their book because they're trying to shill their and sell their own portfolio. But it was a great kind of process for me to do my own diligence, right? Like, who are the companies that seem to continuously be brought up in conversations as ones that we should be on the lookout for? And so it was always... I never imagined working at a VC, but I was very familiar with how VCs operated with the kinds of characters who typically were partners. And um, to be honest, I had no idea that investing with a diversity lens uh, in a for-profit way was actually an option. And so, um, you know, being perfectly candid during the 2016 election and the subsequent years, uh, and then entering into COVID, I think the convergence of having to talk about politics on a daily basis, and then being in my one bedroom apartment in Culver City, having to go live on Zoom, it really chipped away at my soul. Uh, there was this element where I recognized, I don't think this is what I went into journalism for. This is not how I think my value on this earth is best extracted. And so during one of those moments where I was feeling very low and questioning my vocation and everything, um, I actually had a chance to interview Jared Tingle, who is a managing partner of Harlem Capital. He happened to be on our program. And in my research, looking up who this guy was, what Harlem Capital was, that's when sort of all these light bulbs went off being like, wow, I'm super familiar with this world, but I had no idea that this corner of the VC industry existed. Um, and I actually was interviewing him about Fund 2 that, that they had raised in 2021. So it's just a fascinating uh, full circle moment because it was through the funds raised from Fund 2 that they ended up trying to hire a head of platform, right? Um, and so after that interview, I actually ended up connecting with the firm, um, the job posting had just been taken down, but in our conversation, uh, I, I, I found a way in. Um, so it's a very, very long way of saying I had never imagined this to be my role, but two and a half years later, it makes a lot of sense and I haven't looked back. Um, that's amazing. I also met um, Nicole Wishoff, who I work for, through a podcast interview. So I love hearing that story from you as well. That's so cool. I'm curious to learn more and dive deeper into 
um, Harlem Capital's mission to invest into a thousand diverse founders over the next 20 years. It sounds like obviously that mission resonates with you, very much resonates with me as well. Would love to just dive deeper into what that means to you and your team. We as a team have the North Star of investing in a thousand diverse founders over two decades. To be honest, when we first created that mantra, it was a vision, and now it feels closer and closer to a reality. And I think we, as a firm, I have been personally inspired, and I continue to be inspired on a daily basis by how much our partners, um, specifically, you know, our founding partners, Henri, Jared, and Brandon, their personal and professional mission are fully in line and in sync. Um, and I kind of joked to them even the other day, uh, we are all distributed across the country, um, but we do find ways to come together for different events and our retreats to be able to spend time with one another um, and have that community. And so I think for us, it's in our blood. It's like pulsing through our veins, this idea that we wanna be able to work together as a cohesive unit to really change the landscape and the architecture of what the venture world looks like. Um, and I think we are hopefully putting our money where our mouth is. And, you know, one kind of specific experience I have is I'm the only Asian American on the team, right? And so being part of a firm where I'm actually a minority among minorities has been such a fascinating experience for me. And I think it's something where each of us brings such a unique perspective and a unique edge um, and experience set to the table that I find so refreshing. Um, and it does feel like we can bring our whole selves to work in a way that's very meaningful and that the portfolio founders can find beneficial, right? Just using our um, specific networks, but also being able to know that they can connect with us on a human level in ways that oftentimes with um, maybe traditional VCs, it doesn't feel like it's the case. Um, and then a final point I'll say is the best feedback that we hear, whether it's through our community events or even our founder retreat, our AGM, um, we constantly get a steady stream of feedback that's basically, I've never been in a room where I felt so comfortable. Um, because so often the people in our portfolio, the people in our community are the top echelon, right? And they have a minority background, whether ethnically or gender or race, where they have felt so alone and so siloed, and they had to be that one representative. So to be that one representative or so used to being that individual and super unique and uh, kind of siloed, and then find community where you look around and you say, wait. There are actually a ton of people who are brilliant and sharp and entrepreneurial and intrepid who actually look like me and share similar experiences to me. Um, that's been honestly one of the most gratifying experiences of my life. Um, and I think Harlem Capital has been a pioneer uh, in making those sentiments come to fruition. Definitely. Even from like an outsider's perspective, following your team on social media, for example, you're just creating and making VC so much more approachable and accessible to others in such a different way than a lot of the other traditional 
VC investors. So very much appreciate that even from just a follower. And to yeah, that no point- Yeah, no gatekeeping here. <laughs> yes, I love that. And to that point, I think media has been a pretty big strategy um, and dri- driver for your team and firm's growth. Can you share more about the Harlem Capital media strategy and maybe what insights you've kind of brought from your past career in media? Yeah, for sure. We are a media machine. <laughs> I will <are>. say that. <laughs> and I think um, everyone individually on the team has been so crucial and instrumental in developing their own voice, right? So that the brand can then be amplified. Um, I would say our strategy overall is you nailed it. Uh, And I think Nicole really embodies a lot of the sentiment is demystifying what venture capital actually is. Um, I think so often just with any kind of boom and bust or any craze, there's a, an obsession, right? Or of, oh, I need to know what VC is. I want to work at a big tech company. I want to work at a startup. But oftentimes people don't know what's at stake or the kind of um, risk tolerance you need to have to enter an industry that feels very high growth and can be high reward, but also high risk. And so I think from a content side, we do our very best to build proprietary reports, right? Whether it's our diverse founders in AI, whether it's um, kind of our deep dives on vertical software and the diverse folks who are building in it. Um, I think we have a very good pulse and a good sense of the kinds of content that will resonate deeply and actually be informative. Um, I think it's safe to say that now everyone seems to want to have a microphone and that's totally okay. But we recognize the privilege that we have to have such a brand that we have to create content that actually can move the needle and can help one entrepreneur's life um, in a meaningful way. We actually just got a note. um, Someone on our team got a note from someone on LinkedIn that said, my phone is just filled with screenshots from your reports that I see on LinkedIn. Um, And it's just individual slides, right, As as they're building their pitch deck. Um, very tactical tips that we're providing uh, as they're thinking about their own revenue metrics, um, resources that we're sharing are helping informing those things. So it's not really um, some masterful puppet puppet engineering game that we've devised. It's much more what are pieces of information that we wish we would have had access to when we first started InVenture and how do we democratize um, that information in a meaningful way. And then finally, I'll say, we as individuals, even though we all work in VC at Harlem Capital, we're not a monolith, right? We have a bunch of folks on our team who love salsa dancing. Uh, we have folks who are really into basketball. Um, I myself want to run more marathons. Uh, I'm a mother. We have a father on the team, a soon-to-be father. I think we're pretty good at showing up as our whole selves and being able to create our own brands in a way that feels holistic and 360 and shows how well-rounded we are. Um, And I think that ends up being a really effective strategy um, to continue to build our brand. Um, So you touched a bit on Harlem Capital and the investment thesis, but can you share a recent company that Harlem Capital has invested in and why your team was so excited about it? Yeah. um, 
we have, it's been actually a very busy deal season for us uh, this last quarter, but one company that I would love to highlight is Alley Health. Um, they're actually building a vertical software solution for the aging care industry. Um, and the, the products are twofold. There's like a caregiver app as well as a facility tool. And so being able to revolutionize how, um, honestly, oftentimes bureaucratic and logistically challenged uh, the aging care industry and a lot of these homes are um, when it comes to senior living facilities, it really is equipping the people we care about most with the best kinds of help and a more streamlined approach. So we're really excited because the overall market and the TAM there is quite large. So thinking about U.S. software when it comes to care facilities, the, the overall U.S. software for care facilities market um, the size is around eight and a half billion dollars. So just thinking about the potential traction we can get and the initial inroads that the founder, Jesse, um, has been able to make has been remarkable. And she had a strong origin story where she ended up um, having to put her grandmother in a living a assisted living facility. And so being able to have a very strong narrative from the start and the jump um, and being able to build a product that is uniquely designed to her skill set um, were a couple things that we really loved about uh, Alley Health. For founders who might be interested and excited to pitch Harlem Capital on their ideas, any advice for standing out in their first outreach email or just how to get in front of Harlem's investment team? Yeah, I mean, you can definitely submit your idea to the Harlem Capital um, website, harlem.capital slash pitch. And we do take a quick gander at every single pitch that comes through, even though um, there are quite a few. I think in terms of standing out, it really is um, leveraging maybe existing connections you have that can be one or two degrees removed from anyone on the Harlem team. As we all know, uh, being able to forge uh, an additional bridge, right, outside of just a strong idea um, through a personal connection or through a classmate, um, being able to have that additional um, tentacle is, of course, going to be another flag for us to take um, a closer look at a company. And then I would say, yeah, we really are building and serious about building um, in game-changing software. I think a lot of folks may know some of the early investments we've made, and we still are very proud investors in, you know, the Blavities of the world, the Beauty Bakeries, um, Shine, Expectful, uh, but we are kind of laser focused on enterprise level um, innovative technology that will be able to have much more scale um, from an enterprise value and enterprise level. So yeah, just being able to understand our sweet spot and really doing a good job at crafting the narrative as such, um, I think is the most effective tool. Yes. I think that's important advice for anyone pitching any fund, really understanding the fund's investment thesis and making sure you're making the most of your resources when you're going out to fundraise. Exactly. Um, so I think another big part of your role at Harlem Capital has been building out and leading the internship program. Um, I think some people listening might be interested in breaking into VC. So one would be curious to learn more about the opportunity to be an intern with Harlem Capital and also what you really look for in an application. Yeah, 
Oh man, our internship <laughs> program is, I would say the secret sauce, not so secret because we talk about it quite a bit um, of the Harlem Capital team and of our firm. Um, it is a 10 week long program that happens three times a year with winter, summer and fall cohorts. So our winter class will be starting in the new year and every cohort is a group of six interns with one or two fellows who are folks who had previously interned with us and who kind of were like top of the class um, who can then help manage the interns in the process. And in terms of the workload, it's weekly deal screens, sourcing, industry analyses, and then honestly key value add projects that can involve embedding into a portfolio company and helping with a strategy or a specific project. Uh, helping with the newsletter and the podcast strategy, working on a specific vertical of AI uh, re research project and report, um, or, you know, it runs the gamut in terms of the individual projects that they will have. The reason we end up having six interns is because uh, everyone is actually paired with a full-time member on the Harlem Capital team. So that ends up being a really meaningful experience because you have like an accountability partner and a touch point every week. Um, just to give you some stats here, we've actually received over 12,500 intern applications and hired 105 interns over 18 wow. classes in a five-year period. Um, and 33, it may be higher at this point, of those interns now work full-time in the venture and private equity industry. Um, I think five of those interns have made partner level already. So I get the chills just saying these stats because I would say in addition to diversifying the founder ecosystem, right, and being able to back the best diverse founders, we are backing the best diverse investors and folks operating in the VC world. Um, and it's something that we take so much pride and joy in. And of course, have to shout out Nicole and Gabby. Gabby's now a partner. Um, both of them started as interns. So just thinking about the full life cycle and the talent pipeline that we've been able to create, not only internally for Harlem Capital, but also for the broader ecosystem uh, has been probably one of the proudest things that um, the firm holistically uh, has done um, in the creation of the firm. That is incredible. When I was applying to, and trying to break into VC, one of the biggest things I heard was like, you need... VC experience, which is so hard to get. So having internship programs like this is like truly amazing and so impactful. And one um, thing I will add, one thing I will add about the internship program, um, and I think several other VCs operate like this too, is we accept undergrads, grad students, as well as full-time workers, because exactly to your point, it's so hard to get VC experience when you're not in VC, right? Like how, how is that possible? Yes. So we recognize like, yes, this will be a pretty big time commitment, but at the same time, um, it is at the end of the day, a riskier career move, a little more opaque still, right? To be able to find that job uh, in the venture landscape. So we are trying to make it easier and a little bit more seamless so that it could be something on the side that you could do in between, you know, your meetings in between your classes. Um, and I think, honestly, that's the, the only way that someone who needs to pay rent, right, and like have a sustainable yes. living can get that venture experience in a sustainable way. Yes. Um, well, I'll, I would definitely love to share the application when it comes out for the next cohort. 
Um, and then in the application, anything you can share that you and your team look for um, when you're going through all of the thousands of intern applicants? Any, any advice on how to stand out for people who might want to apply? I will tell you that we actually do look through every single resume, so don't count yourself out. Um, <clears throat> in terms of standing out with the initial screen, to be honest, it, there are a couple rounds, right? So I have advice for folks who are creating a video for the video round, but for the initial push, I think it's really um, maybe altering or tweaking or finessing your, your CV, right? to really showcase, even if you have zero venture experience, the ways in which you have been very entrepreneurial in your own right. We love folks who have kind of started uh, their own companies um, while in college, right? Or being able to create communities where it's like-minded people in spaces that they felt like they never belonged. So being able to highlight those facets um, and those specific maybe passion areas, but we're, we're very cognizant that, you know, as a 20 year old, there isn't much job experience, right. That you have, but if you showcase the right elements that feel aligned with Harlem Capital's mission, um, there is a much greater chance that you'll kind of get to the next round of the process. I love that. A unique thing I've seen some people do recently is like start a newsletter to share like female founder grants or different things like that. So I think there's a lot of interesting ways that you can show your interest in really becoming and entering part of the ecosystem. Exactly. Um, and then as we start to wrap things up, I'm asking all investors to debunk a VC concept of their choice for this season. Um, so. Is there a term that you would like to debunk for us today? Hmm, debunk. Um, I don't know if it's debunk, but maybe also expound upon or help elaborate on is probably value add. I think value add has become uh, a very, value add has become sort of a buzzword in the VC community, it might be one of the buzziest words uh, that every fund tries to use to be able to lure in top founders. Um, and I would love to debunk it in that value add is a real thing. And I know a lot of venture folks will say, you know, our value add is XYZ, um, especially initially. But I think one thing that, you know, we ourselves are proud of is being able to say, hey, let's check in a year from now and actually assess and measure uh, the ways in which we have actually added value. I think we use um, a productivity tool to actually measure um, all these individual requests, connections, talent placements, um, advisor placements that we do kind of on a daily basis. And it's something that I think for the founders listening out there, you should really ask the granular specific questions maybe to existing founders in a portfolio before taking um, an investment from an existing VC, because the more you get to understand the way in which the firm operates, right, from like, in addition to capital deployment, what are those additional avenues that the founders in the portfolio have truly benefited from? Um, it's something that I would not take lightly. 
I think so often there are reference calls where it can feel very vague and it can feel like, yeah, they're a great partner to work with, but I would really challenge and um, kind of ask founders to drill deeper and, and get the real value add piece there. Because I think it's something that um, you'd be surprised. A lot of venture firms out there are not actually adding much value at all, um, but they're very good at selling initially. So that's been yeah. one very clear observation uh, I've had in my two and a half years in this world. Yes, I think very important for founders to make sure they're thinking about that as they decide whose checks that they are going to take and have on their cap tables. And then can you share a female founder, investor, or leader who inspires you and a bit about why? Oh, man, I have so many female titans that I look up to. I would say one that constantly comes to mind is Sarah Fryer. She's the CEO of Nextdoor. And she was previously the CFO of Square, so Jack Dorsey's right-hand woman. And if for, for those who had followed Square's um, trading that day that she left, uh, I think the stock dropped around 11% on the news that she would be leaving because at the time, Jack Dorsey was running Square and Twitter at the same time. Um, and so everyone knew that Sarah was basically running the show at Square. And so uh, there was a very pessimistic investor sentiment, rightfully so, because I think Sarah is one of the most phenomenal leaders I have witnessed. Um, I actually had the opportunity to interview her. I think I was the first person to interview her when she got the role as CEO of Nextdoor. And the reason I say this is because um, she's even said it herself that a lot of people call her the velvet hammer. And what she means by that is obviously that she is no nonsense and she gets down to business. She is so whip smart and brilliant in the way she thinks about, you know, new revenue lines, um, new talent hires, new strategy, but at the same time, her delivery is always impeccable so that she is always in a position where she, her words can't come back to bite her because a lot of the people, even if they disagree with the sentiment, can't argue with the way in which she's kind of said the bad news or shared um, her philosophy. And so she's someone that I look up to to this day. And I think she's done a really good job also of bridging her own passion for elevating small businesses, you know, and next door at the end of the day, it is a neighborhood app, but it also is about highlighting local businesses. And I think she's able to talk about a lot of her personal vision in a way that's super inspiring and um, in a way that I really would love to do one day to be able to uh, not so transactionally or so obviously be marketing kind of your day job, right? But in your personal life too, to be able to interweave those things in uh, a seamless way. So yeah, she's definitely someone I, I feel like everyone should listen to her interviews. She's done a lot of talks. Um, she, she actually spoke at our Harlem Capital homecoming last year. Uh, and is someone that I really respect and admire greatly. Amazing. Um, well, I'm definitely going to go check out some of her interviews now. So thank you for the shout out. <laughs> and then finally, where can people find you and where can people find Harlem Capital? 
Man, where can't you find us, Ruffin? We are, <laughs> we're blitzing, blitzing you. Uh, but you can find me at Melody Hom on X, Melody Hom on LinkedIn, Mel Hom on Instagram, um, and Harlem Capital, uh, all one word in on all those channels as well. Would also recommend that you check out our More Equity podcast, uh, which is on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, and yeah, uh, so many resources and conversations are shared there as well. So check us out. Amazing. Well, I will make sure to include all of those important links in the podcast details so that they can find you and all of the amazing content and resources that you and the Harlem team puts out into the world. Um, but thank you so much for joining the show. It's awesome to learn more about your personal story and what you're up to at Harlem. Thanks so much for having me, Ruffin. It was uh, such a joy speaking to you today.